Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rice to Ricky Sanchez listeners going to get engaged. 707 Walnut in Philly, always at LLPavorsky.com. I am Spike Eskin, along with the writer and creator of a brand new television show that we'll find out about later in the podcast. That is Liberty Baller's own Mike Levin. Good morning, Mike. What's up, man? How are you? It's early again. Yeah, yeah, not as early as it used to be, but still not early. as early as it used to be, but we're early. So oh, off season, off season. Well, there's a lot of uh, a lot of Sixers stuff, as you proved to me in an email this week. So we have um, we have some off season stuff. Obviously, we'll talk about the your new TV show a little bit later in the podcast. Here's what I have on my list. Well, actually, let's get the shit out of the way that you hate uh, the. So we're up to one thousand ninety two. Uh, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Here's the review of the week. We got a lot wait, of – Did we decide that once you get to 2,000, you do it again? Yeah, I do it again. But I'm only reading from 1,001 to 2,000. I'm not reading all of them again. Fair enough. That's fair, right? Okay. Yeah. And and the podcast, by the way, available wherever podcasts are sold, your favorite podcast app, except for – Spotify. So we got a lot of good feedback on the Kate Fagan interview, which I thought she's, she's she was best. great. Yep. So, so the uh, this week's iTunes slash Apple Podcast review comes comes from Space Age. The subject line is "Great Kate interview." Would have liked to hear more from Miss Fagan about Sixers past and present as much as you tactfully encouraged, but she's moved on. And the discussion you had concerning issues underlying her new book was powerful and timely. Important to have adult conversation about loneliness within the rush to connectivity. So there we go. A positive review. I also heard Kate on on she was on I am an occasional listener of Pardon My Take. Do you ever listen to that podcast, the Barstool one? No. So I would say if the if the guest is interesting to me, I'll I'll listen to it. It's like it's good if you enjoy that sort of thing. So Kate was on, and it was fantastic for me to hear. I would guess that demographically, our audience and their audience is very similar. And the difference between the interview we did with – and I, I don't say this as a derogatory to their podcast. Like ours was very, I think, introspective about the book. And within, I think, four minutes of them having her on, like the topic – turned to what an ookie cookie was and i don't know if you've ever heard of that before Mm -mm. no it's pretty gross i would suggest googling it at some point it was just really funny it was it was amazing to me to see the internet the differences like the wide swath of different opinions you can get on the internet there's a (laughs) lot of them out there there's a lot of different podcast topics let's put it that way all right (laughs) so here's what i have for today we, uh, we have to discuss Bust the Process 3 Operation Shithole, or as you called it, Bucks the Process, which is on sale now. Uh, something we didn't get to last week, which was the four-year anniversary of Brett Brown as the coach. Oh. 
schedule came out, your new show, Robert Covington, Six Man, the NBA Players Association Awards, the MVP and Rookie of the Year odds, Justin Anderson on Charlottesville, some Okafor discussion, relationship advice, and I think that's everything. That's a lot of things, right? Great. Always, always down for some August Okafor talk. Yes. So let's start. Would you mind starting with uh, the the trip, the road trip? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So the road trip, off right off the bat, is the bus the process three fly the process. We're, we're, it is flying and busing. It is available. One was, one was to New York, and then one was to Washington. That was the yeah. The first one was Brooklyn, and I think uh-huh. we had like two hundred people in Brooklyn. Then we had four hundred people in Washington, and if you remember, the highlight of the Brooklyn one was the we've got draft chi- we've got draft picks chant and the Brett Brown visit to the crowd afterwards. And we right, right, right. And then, as we were told to settle down by Barclays Center uh, uh, personnel, and then <laughs> settle down. Uh, yep. And then the highlights of the Washington <laughs> trip were the me having to have phone calls with with the Wizards organization about like what we were going to wear and how and we were really stared down by security guards and the owner of the wizards ted leonsis complaining about us and then of course the picture with joel Embiid on the court afterwards and the joel Embiid using the bust the process hashtag and then this year so the packages are on sale now we i would i say this all the time and then people complain when things sell out reserve your your spot on it before they sell out because we will sell out at some point i would say that we're probably a third of the way there already so and we haven't even talked about it on the podcast yet so bust the process three we, we got a lot of requests last year we should fly somewhere we should fly somewhere mm-hmm. so as soon as the schedule comes out my brother-in-law joe who runs fans of philly who has done all our other trips says look at the schedule find out some options so we find out some options and after doing some pricing and, you know, we found that the best option was to go to Milwaukee for the ESPN game on March 4th against the Bucks to get revenge for the Rookie of the Year vote um, which and the Rookie of the Year award, which was stolen by Malcolm Brogdon from yeah. Joel Embiid. So I didn't, I didn't realize it was the ESPN game. Yes. That's... That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's an 8 p.m. ESPN game. So, but we also decide, and this was good on Joe, who wants to spend, and when I say shithole, I mean it in a really like kind and um, and smiley way. But Joel Embiid, if you remember on his Instagram, used the location when he was in Milwaukee of shithole. So <laughs> Joe, and, and we also found that it was very difficult to get as many plane tickets as we needed to fly direct into Milwaukee and have it not be really uh, expensive. The direct planes from Philadelphia to Milwaukee only hold like 50 people, so we would have needed several planes. So Joe decided, what if it's cheaper and a better town? What if we fly into Chicago, spend three days in Chicago, and then bus from Chicago to Milwaukee um, on Sunday for the game? It's only like a 90-minute bus ride. We'll do like a a two or three hour pregame in Milwaukee for it. He already, uh, and then we bus home and we fly back on Monday. So we're flying to Chicago on Friday. Um, the, so the package basically includes your round trip airfare, 
three nights of hotel in Chicago. The hotel is giving us not just that bullshit continental breakfast, but a hot breakfast every morning is for free. We also hot get breakfast. hot breakfast. We also get a happy hour for free every night that we're in the hotel. So uh, booze and snacks for free if you want it every night at the hotel. The bus to Milwaukee, the game ticket to Milwaukee. We're also uh, there will be a commemorative T-shirt once again, and uh, Joe also rented out like this old historic house, which is like a mansion or something right across the street from the Bucks uh, where they play the games, and uh, and got us like 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 an all-you-can-eat barbecue buffet or whatever for the pregame party uh, right across the street. So that is included as well. So um, so the prices are up for, on the website. Here is the funniest part about people asking for the prices. And I like to think that our listeners are smart. I just think that they were in a panic. So the price is like – the price is based on how many people basically that you'll have in your room. Like there's dual o- occupancy, three-person occupancy, four – Oh, and by the way, if you're not coming from Philly and you want to like just – you live in Chicago, you want to go on the bus, uh, just email Joe at joe at fansoffilly.com um, and he'll, he'll figure fans out. Fans with an F or a PH? A PH, but I think he owns them both. But a PH, Smart. do it for safe. Smart. Yeah. So fan – and all this is at, at rightstrickysanchez.com. So, so the prices come out and it, it very clearly says price is per person. And I think for quad occupancy, it was like five sixty nine a person. Now remember, this is round trip airfare, three nights in a hotel, ticket to the game. You know, it's a very, very, very fair price. It's a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, a flight alone, I think, would probably to Chicago would probably cost you three hundred or three hundred fifty dollars, right? Yeah. So people look at it and they said, "Hey, the five hundred sixty nine dollar price is that for the group or per person?" And, like, how could $569 be for the group? <laughs> People just want to get the deals, baby. Well, and then here's the other thing. The price for dual, dual occupancy, like the two-person one, was like $629. So how could the price go down the more people that sure. you're sending to sure. account. Sure. So yeah. So the price I'd ask is, the same question. Right. So the prices per person, all you need to put down now is 150 bucks for the deposit. Joe has to put out a bunch of money on his own. And then there are like payment plans to pay for the rest of it. But I would reserve it now um before they sell out. You are a maybe, right? On going, you gotta see your work schedule before. Yeah. But it it's certainly possible, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I th- we are going to uh, – look, every time we do these things, we cause some form of national press ruckus on some – in some level. Like every time we get together and I'm sure we'll do it again. While, while being incredibly well-behaved otherwise. Yeah, well-behaved. I would like the Bucks and the Bucks organization to know that we are going to be really well-behaved. We're not going to start any fights. We're not going to curse. None of those things. We're just going to be loud and chant a lot and then probably boo every time Malcolm Brogdon touches the ball. Oh, definitely boo. Yeah. Malcolm Brogdon, who I love and have loved for a long time, and since, you know, again, not his fault that he won Rookie of the Year, but I will blame him and scapegoat him and boo him for the rest of his career. Well, what are we supposed to do? Go to every basketball journalist house who – Voted for them and boo them on their lawn. That does actually sound more appealing. Yeah, actually, maybe that's next year's trip. Or show show me where Sean Devaney lives. 
that would be great. Maybe I'll call Joe. Let me see if he can get the deposit. <laughs> it would be a more expensive trip, I think. But oh my I think god, so. yeah, maybe a little, a little riskier. Uh, so it's legally. it's the beginning of March. If you've never been to Chicago, Chicago is a uh, an awesome town. Actually, Milwaukee is actually a, a cool town as well. But um, it's a uh, it'll be a good trip, and we'll have a good time. So I look forward to seeing everybody there. All right, you ready for some uh, some content? Yeah, yeah, give me some content. All right, what do you want to talk? Do, let's start off with forty years of Brett Brown. That's great, man. I didn't even realize. I think I love I, him. I think I read that he's the tenth most tenured coach in the NBA right now. It's insane. Is- well, they there hasn't been anybody fired in like a year, but there was. Yeah, a lot in of people. Years before, in the years before, it was it was pretty bad. He's, I'm just very happy, and I don't. I think this is a. Hopefully this is a big win win jump for him. I, I still have that like sort of dark feeling that that when he gets when they get uh, good enough but like need like an over the hump guy, they'll do like a shake it up, uh, bring in some you know quote unquote veteran, some shady Scott Skiles clone, and uh, and replace him, but. I hope it doesn't happen. I hope they give him like plenty of plenty of rope, because um, he, he's as integral as this whole to this whole to keeping this thing as Sam was. Just by, you know, it could have gone so south, and he always held it together. And I'm I love him. I'm glad he's here. I love him. I think he is a uh, a real good coach, and obviously a a wonderful guy. There's there's no one that has a bad word to say about him. And like you know, just going back with with like with us and let's not forget that I think he gave us like $2,000 last year to buy drinks for everybody at the bus, the process to DC. Like he paid for our entire pregame party at Xfinity live, like, and then paid for drinks for everybody in Washington. Like that's absurd. You know, the fact that he kept everybody together, like you said, uh, without this thing going South as a coach is unreal. I think that the thing that I worry about the most is, you know, there is no, there's no, Brian Colangelo did not hire Brett Brown. And, you know, Jerry Colangelo did not hire Brett Brown. And uh, what I, my concern is that, you know, at a certain point, and this happened to Brian Colangelo in Phoenix, I'm not saying it happens to him now, but it happens to every general manager when you're like, when you're trying to, not every general manager, some general managers, when you're trying to, when things aren't going well, you need sort of um, you need ca- you need things that you can do to s- make it look like you're doing something, and blame somebody else. And what I worry about is that the first and most obvious and easiest scapegoat, if things do not, there are a lot of expectations on the team this year, and I think the expectations are personally are way out of whack for what I I believe that the real the real the real step should be this year. And if they start off here's the thing. They've started off, you know, what, oh and twenty six the last four years or something, aside from when they started off three and oh. They if they start off three and seven, which I think is probably pretty reasonable, uh, there are a lot of people that are going to be ranting and raving and calling for heads and very disappointed and i would hate to see brett brown have to have to eat have to take a bullet 
for that sort of thing. He's taken enough bullets over the last three or four years. And uh, some of them Sam inflicted, you know, when he didn't want to talk to press and and Brett was the only one that had to, and even Brian Colangelo conflicted. I just worry about him having to take bullets for the team and like the ultimate bullet or whatever. And I, yeah. I, I, I if hope it, he doesn't if it's have the to. ultimate bullet, why do they shoot it again next year? I, I set, I set you right up for that one. Yeah, I could. I don't know what I was going for. Uh, yeah, I think that could happen. I don't know. It's it could be his guy thing. You know what I think helps out a lot is uh, Redick saying he like just wanted to play for Brett Brown. Reddick coming here and being like, I want to play for him. He's great. I've been impressed with him for all these years. I want, I came here to play for him, and that's why I'm here. And I think that veteraniness uh, definitely appeals to Colangelo and I think gives, gives Brett some more credibility with him. Brett Brown, Brett Brown, as he's known, uh, that's his um, his public name. His private name is twenty three million dollars. Uh, yes, JJ Redick. Yeah, yep. it's the only reason. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even know about the money. I heard. yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Oh, what am I getting paid? Oh, that's great. Oh, thanks. That's yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, congratulations, Brett Brown, on four years. Uh, I can't believe it took them so long to hire you. What a disgrace! But, but I'm glad that you've you've, you've survived. How long, what, when was it? Was it even August? I thought it was. I think it was July. Uh, I don't even think it was August. It was either really, really early August or really late July. But I think it was early August. To be honest with you, I think. Can you imagine right now if they're like they still don't have a coach? Who yeah. gives a shit? Yeah, they're gonna be bad. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of coaches, oh, one thing I'm going to tack on at the end. I didn't even tell you about this. At the end of the podcast, I, I got the audio. Somehow, oh, I think I was talking to, did Chris Vito bring it up online? Brought up the awful Doug Collins Orlando presser when he blamed everybody, when he like lost his shit. You remember that press conference? The, I ran through my shoes. They never booed me as a player, blah, blah, blah. And... Uh, I'm going to include that press conference at the end of this podcast. So, just a little treat. Yeah, it is. It is a true hate listen. Like there's, and after you listen to it, you have to watch it to watch. Doug Collins would do this thing like with his tongue, where he'd lick his lips in a really gross way while he's, and his the look on his face is during this whole presser is infuriating as well. But you have to listen to the way that he starts out saying that. He's not a guy that blames anybody and then basically goes through the entire roster and blames everybody but Damian Wilkins, who he gives a lot of credit to. You have to listen to it. So I'm going to tag that on the end of this. Uh, next thing. Schedule came out. <laughs> Damian Wilkins. Yeah. Uh, he was a center. Uh, yeah. Of course he was. He was he, – he cost us draft picks because he like tried hard at the end of those years. It, it feels like it was six years of Damian Wilkins. It was probably just one. Yeah, one, one or two, yeah. Uh, next next one, the schedule comes out. Turns out Sixers are going to play 82 games this year, again, which is a shock. Can't believe it. They're going to play all the teams in the Western Conference twice, one at home, one away. They're going to play 14 games on national television. That is not counting uh, NBA TV. I think there are another nine or so on NBA TV. Yeah. Fourteen national games is pretty absurd. There is, and now they they did open up. There are like more national TV games to get this year, correct? And ESPN is doing like a Saturday something. Yeah, well, there are a ton of 
there are so many national games that it almost makes something like League Pass. Like there's no, you need to be really obsessed with basketball to, or you have to want to watch. But even if you want to watch other teams, there's enough things on NBA TV. There's games I think four or five nights a week, national games four or five nights a week if you if you count NBA TV. Yeah, but so many of them I'm sure are like Warriors Knicks. Yeah, right, right, right. I want to see Jazz Bucks. Yeah. On League Pass in my own, and and I want in this. I want the streaming to fail. I want to be frustrated, but like show me some Rodney Hood. In gl- in glitchy slow motion, hitting threes and being Utah's savior. There is Definitely. a small part of me that thinks it would be hilarious if we get these fourteen national TV games, and we're just the fucking Sixers again. <laughs> and you know, and mid season, like the the pump up video for the like the matchup where we're playing. I don't know, we're playing fucking Houston or something, and they're like. The thirty and eleven Houston Rockets are taking on the twelve and you know thirty two Philadelphia seventy sixers, um, and they're showing like the pump up shot of Rashawn Holmes, who has started the last twenty two games. Because... Oh, what a what a dark but very plausible timeline. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> unreal. The uh, yeah, so that's. Yeah, I don't know. Starting new starting point guard, Casper Ware. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, that's that's rough. It's all possible. It's all really possible. Yeah, yeah it's frighteningly possible. So that's it. That's um, the schedule. No, I think uh and then they and then the NBA would have to release a schedule uh, release a statement saying our bad. Yeah. The Sixers. Yeah, sorry about that. that. We thought that they wouldn't be the Sixers, unfortunately. They are. Yeah, and we end up, what, 20 and 62 and still only four games out of the eighth seed in the East, I think, is probably what we'd be. Uh, all right, Nick, do you have anything else on the schedule? I think it's, it's uh, you know, it sort of helps. This is a, a little Ben Dietrich-y. It sort of helps the Sixers to get all this national coverage when the entirety of their front office at one point worked for the NBA, <laughs> I think, or was placed here by the NBA. But uh, Dietricky, yeah, very Dietricky. Also true, but Dietricky. Oh, you know what? Before we get to the uh, your new show, I feel like this is a good buffer. Once every three or four weeks, we we relitigate the Nerlens Noel situation. Oh, it's good. Let's do that. Okay. All right. So, so let's relitigate it. We did it on Twitter yesterday. So let's relitigate it for everybody. You know, most of the world isn't on Twitter actually. So. But they do listen to this podcast. Yes. So most of the world, definitely. Yeah. So Nerlens Noel sits still unsigned by the Dallas Mavericks or anybody. And at this point is basically in a stare down with the Mavericks because there are no teams left really that either like the teams that have cap space want to keep it open for next year or have somebody that plays that position. So there's the only real team who the Mavericks were competing with potentially were the Nets and the Nets ended up making those trades to get extra draft picks, which they, they took on salary. So they really don't have the ability to do it. And the only RFA contract that the Nets threw out there was to Otto Porter. So Nerlens Noel sits there basically with an offer from the Mavericks, which they feel like is 
we haven't seen any details of that, but is obviously less than Nerlens thinks he's worth. Now, my guess is is the deal is probably a four-year, $50 million deal or something, and they were hoping more along the lines of 18 to 20 annually, which is mm-hmm. a pretty big difference. So we relitigate it, and the relitigation comes to, in, in many different facets. The people that don't think Nerlens Noel is good are na 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 nobody wants him. See, we were right. He's not that good. Um, the very pro Nerlens crowd says, well, obviously, this makes the fact that we traded him even dumber, you know, because we were not at risk of somebody signing him to an offer sheet. And here we sit. What is, you know, I know what my opinion is on all of this. I, it's layered, but I definitely have an opinion. What is yours? Well, it's weird because. A few people are still unsigned. Obviously, New Orleans is the best of them, but like Jermichael Green, who is in, in position to get a really big contract, still didn't get one. He's the only one I can think of. It's early. Tony Allen, obviously not as big, but there's there's guys that you would have expected to be signed by now that are still sort of holding out for more money that isn't there. And I think a lot of it is just because the cap is not as high as people thought it was going to be. Um, and last year, there was that explosion of, of money that was sent out. And this year it just just wasn't there. Um, yeah, I don't think I think I think if anything, this means that Colangelo's like uh, undeterred certainty that Nerlens would not be here after his contract expired. I think that was short sighted because if you could have gotten him for. You know, maybe you maybe you're really happy that Amir Johnson's there. Nerlens is a much better player than Amir Johnson. Maybe not in the locker room, whatever it is, but you you could have probably had Nerlens if he went out to the went out and like if just if they just didn't trade him, if they just kept him last year, you probably could have gotten him for like two years, thirty five million or something at this point, like. And had had really good Embiid insurance for a while. I, it wouldn't have you know, and then you could trade him later if 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 it worked out and everything's good. And so, it seemed like he was just like, yeah, yeah, we're trading him. Nothing's going to happen. That ended up being short sighted because the market for him wasn't that high, and you could have kept him. He's more valuable to us. Well. I've made my opinion about Nerlens known, you know, a lot. I'm, um, I love him. I think he's great. I think he's underrated. I think he's a fantastic player. He'll be fantastic for a long time. There are two things that I think here. I think what I was told was is that the Sixers were sure that if they kept him, either the Nets or the Mavericks would make him a big offer. And they would lose him because they didn't have interest in signing him to a long-term big deal. Now, if you believe that's true, let's let's say let's say for argument's sake that they 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 have reason to believe this. That then the real error, if they did not want to keep him, and I've said this a million times, if they, I I think it's wrong to not keep him. And uh, to Dietrich's credit, that the real problem was that. When Jerry Colangelo came in, he stopped Sam Hankey from trading Julia Locafer, likely, when he came in. Like, Sam's hands were tied, and the only real trade we made that, you know, that year was the 
two seconds for Ish Smith trade, which was like the most unsam hinky trade in in history. Yeah. Uh, but the real error here was not trading Nerlens Noel at the draft last year when you had an opportunity, and they tried to hold on to him longer. And uh, and and here's what happens: is they're not so sure about Embiid, and you know because they didn't have you know preseason or anything. This is what they'll tell you. So they weren't sure about Embiid. So they 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 had a a, a king's ransom for Nerlens. They didn't get it. So then Embiid looks good, and Nerlens, who had been told that they were going to get traded at the at the draft, or they would really try, decides to get that knee surgery, which basically makes him untradeable. Then when he comes back, they don't they they have to work him back in. Um, his value goes down. The whole league knows that they don't want to re-sign him, and they wind up at the trade deadline with with zero you know um, uh, leverage. And they didn't want to risk having to re-sign him. So the, here's what this comes down to for me. The most important thing clearly to to the Sixers right now was um, you know making it look like they're doing something to win this year, which is the Redick signing, but also keeping the cap clean for next year to be able to have max room when they're not teams yeah. being able to do it. And Nerlens yeah. would have prevented that, especially if they're going to re-sign um, – uh, uh, Covington. But here's the thing is that uh, because even if you take the Redick, let's say they don't sign Redick and they don't sign Amir Johnson or they have to sign somebody, but they don't sign Amir Johnson, then then that's l- still more money than you're going to have on next year because Nerlens is on there. So Maybe. Here, here, I, I but here, here's what I said. Just let me uh, – 10 more seconds. Is that Brian Colangelo better – better fucking really make use of that cap room next year. And like, you know, like you want to have big balls. You think you're going to go get a great player, a top of the line player that nobody else can afford because there's no cap room. There's going to be a lot of free agents. Like if if they come next year and there is a, you know, a top 15 player that ends up coming to the Sixers, that they sign them because that cap room was salvaged because of all of this, then fine. Then I'll do credit. But, but if that doesn't happen, then then you did all of this for nothing and you lost him for nothing. We can already agree that you lost him for nothing, but if you can say, well, hey, we got X player because we kept the cap clean and blah, 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 then fine, then whatever. But I I, I have my doubts about whether that's going to happen. So, Well, so I don't necessarily agree that you have to – I think keeping the cap clean for next year is a – general smart strategy anyway even if it doesn't work out i think i think going we have to get somebody is how you get the kings signing like costa kofas and rondo and calls all, all those guys that like where they they like struck out on aldridge and stuff I, so i don't want to like put pressure on them just to be like hey you need to use it like i'd rather i i like having a clean cap and having optionality but not being t- locked into having to do something. I think they will. I think they'll for sure go get somebody, but I don't want to, I don't want it to seem like, Hey, get somebody or else everything before was a mistake. Um, so that's, I think, but I think you could have, I think absolutely they should have tried, they traded, should have traded Okafor years ago or Nerlens at the draft. If you knew that you weren't going to play him this year and that you knew that there was going to be a log jam. Uh, we've, we've been having the, they can't go into this season with Okafor and Nerlens for a long time. A hundred years. Yes. And they did. 
and then New Orleans didn't play, and then New Orleans came back and got a huge standing ovation because everybody loves him. Um, the but if you didn't trade him in the draft, you're going to keep him, and you couldn't trade him, and there wasn't anything there. The Justin Anderson and a fake first round pick like isn't enough. Isn't enough to move the needle for me. Isn't enough to give up. It wasn't at the time, and it's not now to give up some lever, some like hey. Who knows what the cap's going to be like this year? Obviously, there was some weird cap shit last year. Let's hold on to him, ride this out, and maybe we can sign him for a, a fair deal in the offseason. And then you could have done something like pay Reddick, not pay Amir, and give give Nerlens two two years, whatever, fourteen million a piece uh, to to hang around. And, and just have the, have that option of possibility if the, if the market crapped out on him like it did anyway. I think maybe if he was – I think Dallas might have gone to a big offer sheet if we didn't trade him to them. I think they might they might have prioritized that more. Um, but who knows? I mean where we are right now is he's going to sign in Dallas but probably for very little because the, the market is so thin. Um, yeah, it's it's – it, it comes down to Colangelo knew he decided ahead of time, hey, fuck this guy. I'm not signing him. He's not going to be here. Yeah, they didn't want let him. Me, they didn't let want me him. just get literally anything for him. And it turned out to be Justin Anderson, the first-round pick. Um, fake first-round pick. Fake first-round pick, which, which sucked. Which sucked then, and it sucks now. I don't think it is um, – franchise altering i think if nerlens had been here as Embiid insurance that would have been much safer because uh jaleel is not Embiid insurance he's just a tall man um rashawn could grow into more legitimate Embiid insurance but uh he's not yet at least in terms of like seriously contending or at least being in the being in the playoff picture but uh, yeah, I think it's. I think it got. It was. I think the whole since obviously Colangelo walked into a situation that was tough. Uh, it was. I mean, a great situation, but tough from a Nerlens and Jaleel perspective. Um, and he bungled it every step of the way. Every single step of the way, he he failed failed that that test. And then you know got thanks to the pick swap. Was able to make uh, make the Markel Fultz trade, and that was great. But in terms of like the most difficult, like hey, we could this could work out well, this could work out poorly. There, there's no way that the Nerlens Jaleel situation could have been handled worse. He handled it the worst possible way. He did. I I, I can't agree more. So right after uh, we're going to take a a quick break to talk about our sponsor, but right afterwards we're going to find out about Mike's new show. Oh we're, come on! We're going to talk about Robert Covington, six man, what, and the uh, NBA Players Association awards, and then we'll get to relationship advice. But speaking of relationship advice, um, you know, one guy that has been um, cementing rela- relationships across the globe with the best engagement rings for the best prices. That is one. L.L. Pavorsky, the sponsor of the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. L.L. celebrated the 48th Rights to Ricky Sanchez listener that bought Ooh. a uh, that bought an engagement ring from him. L.L. also pri- <laughs> excuse me, privately sent me a picture of a baby 
that was the second uh, process baby. Wow. That, yeah. So of people who have gotten engaged through LL also had babies, which is insane. Congratulations on the baby. Congratulations on the engagements. It's all gone wonderfully because I believe LL has extended the summer cabana sale too, which is a wonderful sale. Holy shit. Yes. The which, summer cabana sale. Yeah. Now I will tell you that I don't think engagement rings are part of the summer cabana sale, but he's got a lot of other jewelry. Engagement rings – any price range, any style, any color. You want a blue and red engagement ring for your Sixers fan fiance? He's going to do it for you. You want something more classic and attractive? He can do that for you too. What we're going to tell you is he wants to take time with you personally. So before you go in to get your engagement ring from LL, you want to make an appointment so he knows the kind of ring that you're looking for. You call him at 215 215- uh, 627-2252 or tweet him at LL Pavorsky or go to LLPavorsky.com, send him an email and he'll set up some time for, for you and you'll go in and it's like the store's great. It's a, uh, a quaint, uh, cool, unintimidating store. Many uh, jewelry stores are very frightening, but LL's is not. However, it does have what all jewelry stores have, which I really like, is that you can't open the front door until they buzz you in, which I think is great. Um, so that's it. He's a wonderful guy. He's a wonderful jeweler. You should buy an engagement ring from him. Um, and by the way, for every podcast, LL makes a generous donation to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence and the Alzheimer's Association of the Delaware Valley. LL Pavorsky Jewelers. The Delaware Valley's best choice for dissuading Sixers fans from blue and red engagement rings. <laughs> the, the only choice, really. <laughs> All right. So you've been, uh, you've been holed away in a, uh, on a, a, I don't know, a writing room and somewhere and working very hard recently. At, and you've said you've, you've had some information that you were going to share about your new show. It leaked online. I believe TMZ mm-hmm. reported it. But uh, tell us about your new show and who's in it and um, how this works. Uh, yeah, so I've been working on this thing for a while. It's a uh, it's a show. It's like a it's officially on uh, this place called Full Screen, which is like it has its own widget, like a Netflix or a, a Hulu on like any of your Apple TV, Roku, uh, Amazon Prime things. The place called Full Screen. Uh, they have done mostly like teen, teen-centered stuff, like not 19 to 24-ish areas. I don't know, uh, but this is this is their foray into more um, a wider audience appeal. I don't know. I just I wrote a show, and it got made, and we had the rap party last night. Um, so that was fun. The show is called Alive in Denver. It's about a group of friends in Denver after the apocalypse doesn't happen, and they all and, think uh, the apocalypse is going to happen. That's the, the setup, whole the right? whole the whole world does. So yeah. not just not just this group of friends. The whole world thinks the apocalypse doesn't happen. Uh, so there's a, there's a little bit people have uh, compared it to like the plane crash scene in Almost Famous. Um, so there's a little bit of that in there, and then uh, and yeah, it's a it's a, it was fun to do. It was fun to be on set for, and we got a. We got a whole thing, and I will. I'm still going back to Trial and Error season two, one that'll be in October. I'll return to that. Um, but I got to I got to do this. 
during the hiatus, and it was uh, it was really cool. It was very fun. Congratulations! I'm very uh, I'm very happy for you. I look forward Thanks, to man. watching it. There will be and and since uh, and since this is your baby, there will be many more Sixers oh, references. Oh yeah, yeah. There's oh yeah, there's some Sixers references. I was I thought you were gonna he- heading towards you're gonna be hearing about it a lot, which you will. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. I will be tweeting about it. It'll be you'll be tired of the show, but please watch it because I think it's I hope it's gonna be good. We're editing it now. Meanwhile, I fucking passively uh, mentioned fucking WIP and I get emails <laughs> and tweets. Meanwhile, meanwhile, we're going to do a second podcast every week where we break that's down right. your fucking TV show. But yeah. that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I'm good with it. Congratulations. I'm very happy for you. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, it's uh, – Cass is all, for the most part, people that have – you don't super know. Um, one of the guys – and it was uh, came up through as a, as like a kid. He came up through iCarly. He was like the main guy in iCarly. This guy Nathan Cress, um, one of the female leads is uh, this girl Danielle Campbell, and she's in the Vampire Diaries spinoff. Um, My wife yeah. was a huge Vampire Diaries fan, sure. so I'm sure she'll be excited. That I think sure. she cried when it ended or something. So, uh, and I love her very much. I don't, I'm not trying to mock her, but she really liked Vampire Diaries, so right. she'll probably and, know who that person is. Yeah, and some other uh, really funny actors, um, people that did like UCB and stuff. A couple, some really good guest cast, which is really fun. Do you know who DC Pearson is? Maybe if I is that a, a he. Yeah, he came up. He was in a. Uh, I'm gonna Google him uh, to see he what he looks Der- like. He was in Derek Comedy with like Donald Glover. Um, you'd recognize him if you saw him. He was in an episode and he was great. Uh, bunch of really good. people. It was just like it was a lot of people doing favors for me. Uh, but it was cool. It was cool to be able to like actually pay people money to work on my thing. Well, I look forward to being in the show as well. I'm just I'm waiting for the text. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we're getting you in there for yeah. sure. We're getting. You. We're gonna fly you out. Put you up in a nice hotel. There we go. Come on. Do it, uh, do it the right each, way. It's going to be eight episodes is the first season. Each episode is going to be about 15 minutes long. Um, I'm sure we'll probably like the first to what one or two or whatever will be like online for free. And then you got to get the other ones on full screen. Uh, if you have AT&T. You, get a, I you do. automatically get a year free of full screen. Oh, so. shit. I'm on so AT&T. That's easy. There you go. There you go. Um, I'm sure I'll say more things over the years once there's like a trailer out and yeah. like a poster and stuff. Um, I'm I'm hope hopefully trying to premiere it at like a festival, which yeah. would be really fucking cool. Yeah. When would it uh, When would it be like When will people be able to watch it? I guess that's. I don't it. know. We're ta- we're talking right now November December, but if we okay. if we end up like waiting to release it until premiering at a, at a festival, okay, uh, then it'd be a little bit later, but. Some sometime before, I would say January, February at the latest. Um, but yeah, so it was a really—I mean, it was just a very crazy emotional experience. I wrote all the episodes, um, and uh, it's something that I started working on back in 2012. Um, so it's been through a long road. This is like the script that like got me pretty much like started my career. And like it's been through many iterations of it, and then finally found like a, a forever home at full screen. And then, like I've been writing it for a long time, and then they said they're going to make it, and it was crazy. Well, look look forward to the Rice Ricky Sanchez spinoff podcast, um, the rights to Mike's new show, where right. we yeah. So congratulations, 
Uh, did you see the it. picture? Did you see the Hollis Hollis, Hollis High? Picture? Yeah, yeah, I did. Hollis prep, Hollis prep, Hollis prep. Right, yeah, I saw it. So that's a so one of the yeah one of the characters is a is a teacher, and he teaches and a, and a baseball coach and he teaches at Hollis, Hollis prep. prep. There you go. I couldn't help myself, man. I couldn't. Yeah. I just couldn't help myself. So there's more. There's more of those kinds of references that like full screen's general audience. I'm sure won't won't know what's going on, but. Uh, the Sixers contingent of people watching will really enjoy it. So I'm not going to say any more references. I, I want you guys to be surprised if you watch it. Well, because it, it's sort of like when you watch a like a Pixar movie, and there's there's jokes for the parents that the yeah, that yeah. the kids don't even know. You are guys there. are the parents for yeah, sure. We're the parents in this respect. All right. Um, so so we don't have time for all this. We got the Covington stuff. The NBA players. Association. He's not going to be a sixth man. No, he's, he's not going to be a sixth man. He's Stop not listening to the sixth man. He's starting. Yeah, get over it. He doesn't. He's not. He's far less valuable as a six man, by the way. And Dario is more valuable as a six man. I, yeah, yeah. He. I don't care what the odds say. I don't care. This is one of those things where, and I love having national media people on here. But one yeah. thing, one thing I've noticed, and this is uh, Christ. This is something I've noticed at IP is like even when you have here we the, go. no, even when you have the best national guy on to talk about like our team. We know more about our team than they do. And like even the most respected writer, like everybody loves David Aldridge. Like here's the thing. You listening to this podcast, you know more about the Sixers than David Aldridge does. Now, he might know more about the NBA and blah, 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 this and that. You know more about the Sixers than they do. So if you read something from a national person that reads really wrong to you, instead of just thinking that that person's right – you should think that that person isn't right. You know more about the Sixers than they do. That's what I would say. So, except with the one caveat being like rumors and like what's yeah. it, what's it like in the clubhouse kind of yes. thing. Those, yeah, those right. sorts of those sorts of deals generally are you know they're plugged into that kind of stuff. But in terms of the what players are good, like they don't know anything. Well, okay. So here's you, tell me what you want to do here: players' association awards, MVP odds. Twitter questions. We're getting in relationship advice because we have a good question. Okay. Um, wh- which well, let's just Embiid's. What, what's Embiid's MVP odds? Fifty to one. And so, that's like sixteenth, seventeenth. What was it? Something like that. It. It really. What it is is a. It's basically anything aside from the top five or six people is a sucker bet. Yes. And and fifty to one. What it really means is they are saying if you simulated this season a hundred times that. In two of those times, Joel Embiid would win Most Valuable Player, which is um, it, it's really what the real odds of it are. Like if we're just talking about like what the chances are, is much longer than fifty to one. But Sixers fans are marks right now. They're like mm-hmm. they're like Raiders fans and Cowboys fans and all all those things. And and Vegas knows that they can get you to bet things at a cheaper price than they need to give you. So they so what it does is it stirs you up and it makes you think, wow, Joel Embiid really has a chance to win MVP, which makes you more likely to bet this sucker bet at bad odds. Um, yeah. I like save your he, money. Yeah. Save your money. I like that he's on there, but like Oh yeah. But what would have to happen for him to win MVP over Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, LeBron James? Like it's really not gonna it's not going to happen. Legitimately, what would have to happen is the Sixers would have to be at least the two seed in the East. Yes. He would have to average something like 28, 15, and, and 4. And, and by the way, Durant 
didn't get MVP votes because he missed like 15 games. I would also say I would say that he that Durant and Steph split the vote. I wouldn't yeah. give either. I wouldn't give either of them MVP as long as they're on the same team because they're both just and with Draymond, it's just like yeah, you guys are the best team because they have all the best players. Like, yeah, got. I I generally I would generally give it to someone closer to Kawhi or Harden or something like that. Let's not forget. Let, clearly carrying the team. Let's not forget they won six more games without Kevin Durant and also won the championship without Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's a fucking uh, a sideshow. Uh, Steph Curry's that team, but um, yeah, I <laughs> a sideshow. He is, uh, and the, also uh, Embiid would have to play seventy games at minimum, I believe. To, yeah, you know, I so. think so too. So, so save your money. Bet. I mean, definitely go bet the over on wins. No. I don't know what it is, but bet the over. Don't. It's it's like thirty eight, and don't bet the over on wins. Bet the over. Don't bet the over on wins. Bet the over. Come on. <laughs> it's just here's what the over is going to make you do. It's going to make. I don't like betting on your favorite team because it makes you think about like money rather than sheer form. Like I don't want you to be mad at the Sixers when they only win thirty six games. You know, come on. Uh, and uh, I think uh, Ben Simmons is the co-favorite for Rookie of the Year along with Lonzo Ball. I, I don't think – I think having Fultz on the team really hurts, but I think Simmons's chance is way greater than Fultz's chance because I think he's going to have the ball a lot more for Rookie of the Year. But I would – if I had a bet for Rookie of the Year, I would bet on Ball considering all the, the circumstances going on. I would bet on Ball. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be the Sixers are – for two years in a row, they have two of the top three Rookie of the Year rankings. Uh, yeah. And, and we'll get screwed out of it. And we'll get screwed out of it. In a row. Yeah. But we'll get – who's going to be um, – rookie sophomore game? That'll all, be – All Sixers. Simmons, Fultz, right. Dario, right. Embiid. But Embiid will be an all-star, so he won't play in the rookie sophomore. Yeah, and remember, we'll also have um, uh, Luau, maybe, I don't know. Corkmas, uh, Corkmas, maybe I don't know. We could have the whole team. I think that they will. They will keep Luau out of it. They will not let that many Sixers play in it. I think Luau's jumper will keep him out of it. But hey, come on. All right. Uh, quickly, um, the NBA Players Association Awards. I didn't even know it was a thing. They, no. they the first time. I, I don't know. And they also waited. The NBA waited too long, and then the Players Association waited a month after that. So <laughs> mid-August, NBA players— What season is it even? It's, it's already next season. So Brogdon wins Rookie of the Year, which just gives Bolted. us another reason to boo. I hate the players too. And I do like that Embiid got Comeback Player of the Year because I'll tell you, that is truly the— if you're going to give that award, that is a one— like he deserved Comeback Player of the Year. I think it was a good yeah. award for him to get. Yeah. Uh, and also like best social media follow oh yeah something like that god bless him um what do we got um i don't know do you want to do relationship advice i i don't have i I asked some questions on twitter rather philip did on the uh on the ricky twitter we have those and we have relationship advice you made philip wake up early to ask fucking questions on the freaking thing he has tweet decks so he schedules tweets okay yeah so what do you want to do uh, let's do a couple twitter questions and then jump to relationship advice and we got guests coming next week right or in the in following weeks yeah 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 we'll have more guests as well mixing it up sometimes you need just a mic and spike yeah sometimes look here we are we're back right 
<laughs> um, all right. This is uh, from Heath Feynman. He says, what would your Sixers banana boat be? To clarify, choose three Sixers of all time that you would want to party and hang out with on this boat. Oh, that's not how I would have. I thought banana boat was like LeBron and Wade and Carmelo and Chris Paul. That's yeah. what I was. Yeah, but they're all hanging. The reason it's banana boat is because they're all oh, hanging okay. out. Not, like a, not in terms of like a free agent rumor. Correct. Who would you want to hang okay. out with? What I want to hang out with, um, Hollis, right. for sure. Um, Dana Barrows, for sure. Yep. Um, let's throw Embiid on there. I can. It's four or three. Three, because you're oh. the fourth. <laughs> okay, I don't want to be there. I just want to watch it. Uh, yeah, Embiid, Hollis, and Dana Barrows. Who's yours? Uh, that is a great one. I would put Tony Roten on the, yeah. and I would put the the Ricky Zone. Yeah, the Ricky Zone. Tony Roten. Uh, I would put uh, Sergio Rodriguez <laughs> on the vote, and Todd McCulloch. That's a great pick. Thank you. That's a great pick. Yep. I loved him when he was doing play uh, color with Tom McGinnis. Yeah, and he loves pinball. He's like a pinball champion. I don't know. I'd ask him. Things about Tom McGinnis. Tom McGinnis is so good by himself, but when he had McCullough to be like sort of steady, talk once every five minutes, just says like, "Yeah, he's a uh, uh, quite a play inside there." Yeah, was <laughs> it's really really great. I really enjoyed that, and I miss it very much. This is from Franco. Uh, Franco asks, "What team besides the Sixers and the Lakers do you see LeBron going to?" Uh, I don't see LeBron going to any team but the Lakers. So that is my answer. Interesting. It'd be weird if he went back to Miami. I feel like that's a weird decision. Yeah, I don't think he'd go back to Miami. You Honestly, know, I I want LeBron to go to the Knicks. Oh, that would be great. I would want LeBron to go to the Knicks. I mean, I the, don't want him to go to the Lakers. I get into fights about the Lakers with Alyssa multiple times a week, but I don't. They don't deserve him. They don't fucking luck into him. And also, I don't want him to like – I don't want LeBron to like start getting hurt. And then I don't want to have to start rooting for LeBron to like slow down. Yeah. Which I will if he's in the Lakers. Yeah. Obviously, I don't like the Knicks. But like that would at least be more intrigue for a franchise that hasn't been good in so long. Uh, no. Not the Lakers. Anybody but the Lakers. Fuck them. All right. Let's do relationship advice and get out of here. Relationship advice theme song by Philly's own Eliza Hardy Jones. Uh, Her music is on Spotify. Somebody just tweeted me, by the way, and told me that the podcast, our podcast, is now on Spotify. So I I don't know. I don't have any proof. Just now? I yeah. I asked for breaking news. I asked for a screenshot. I don't have it yet, but I'm pulling it up. All right. So here is the relationship advice question. Spike and Mike, I'm currently entering my senior year of college. In my first year, there was a girl on my floor that one of my friends had a thing for, but nothing ever happened between them. 
my friend's roommate hooked up with this girl for a bit, and my friend complained to me a few times about how he's not a bro for that, since he knew that my friend really liked her. Also during our freshman year, this girl asked me to go to a formal as her date. I ended up coming up with a reason why I could not go, basically because I felt weird about my friend's feelings for the girl. Flash to today. My friend has since moved on, and we haven't really seen much of that girl since freshman year. Recently, our friend group has been talking about hanging out with her friend group more, and I'm wondering if making moves on this girl should still be considered out of bounds. I'm sensitive about the idea of stepping out on another guy's girl, but I feel like three years is enough time. Um, and this is obviously anonymous. I, I do think that's enough time. I yeah. think it might maybe work, maybe worth an ask. If uh, if you think he's the kind of guy that needs to hear that, yeah, or needs to be like whatever, but three years in college, yeah, I think I think that's I I think you're in the I think you should be in the clear if you want to be safe. I might ask. It's not you know, it's not his property, especially if he's moved on. If he's not pining over her still, then if he was still like, man, that's the girl, then then that's kind of a bummer. But. Uh, you know, he, yeah. he's not he's not being a good friend by preventing you from doing it, I think, at this point. You know, you, you don't want to be a bad friend by hurting him. And like, let's forget the bro, not a bro. Like, you know, you don't want to hurt your friend. That's, that's a goal, too. But I wouldn't ask for his permission. I would just, like, sort of tell him in a... Um, in a way that doesn't make it doesn't put him in position to have him make a decision for you. And just so he knows, I wouldn't want him to find out you know, organically, but just say, sure. Hey, you know, I know you had a thing for her, but I like, you know, I think it's it, been a while. It's been a while. I want to do this. So did, did, did he, did that email give any indication as to whether or not she was interested in him? My, well, yeah. I mean, remember she asked him to go to a formal at one point. Oh, and, right. right. That, yeah. But that was, that was freshman year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there we Man. go. All right. You're, I never got, I never, I never did the, and I, I always wanted to. I, I think I saw it in like a fucking, like even Stevens episode or something. When that's before your, that's after your time. But yeah. uh, of like girls asking guys to go to the dance. I've always I I romanticized that in my mind so much for my entire life, and I never was privy to like a, a dance with those instructions. Yeah. Just never. I always wanted to. Never happened. That's my biggest regret. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, that's a great biggest regret list you probably. Yeah, my have. biggest one. Yeah. I can't yeah. think of any other ones. Yeah. All right, I gotta get out of here. Uh, we will All be right. back next week with a guest. Um, this has been the Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast, brought to you by Ella Poforsky Jewelers, where Rice to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. Seven oh seven Walnut in Philly. Always at ellapoforsky dot com. Oh, and remember. After you know what, I'm going to do it right here. So after you hear Dana Barris, you're going to hear the Doug Collins presser. Enjoy this Doug Collins presser from February of 2013. Um, are you down with TTP? No. <laughs> Take it away, Doug. Still right. not. See you. At my clinic when I was uh, in Chicago, and she was incredible. And I'll never forget what she said. She said when she goes to into young ladies' homes to recruit them, she said there, there are three things that you have to bring in my program. Energy, effort, and execution. And I'm in charge of one of them. 
Execution. Get the desperate mode they should be in, though. I mean, Bob, I, you know what, man? I, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I really do. I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm sitting there. I mean, I gave my body to this franchise. I, I was never booed as a player. Never. I ran through my sneakers. A bad mix then? I mean, is it, is it just one of those seasons where you might have these like, guys put together? I think, I think the, the team that we've tried to put together, Gonzo, we've never seen. And so I think what, what happens is when you take a huge piece away from it, your warts show. Well, I thought the, I thought the clock was going to wind down. I, I said uh, I didn't realize they were going to take a shot clock violation. Oh, no, 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 no. I thought the clock was going to wind down. I didn't realize there was a differential. I, I've done that before. Rick, you talked about players becoming comfortable with it. It's easy to lose. It you is. Comfortable losing. It is. Have your players become comfortable? You would have to ask them that. I, I, don't, I don't know. I do not know. You guys, the, the thing about it is, is I can't speak for others. I do know, I mean, Damian Wilkins, I mean, he's been one of our best players since coming back from break. I told you, I did not think our guys prepared themselves during the break to come back to play. Huh? Is there anything you can do? Uh, you know what? I, I, can I tell you something? If, if, if everybody looked inside themselves as much as I did, this world would be a CAT scan. Okay? I mean, believe me, I have, there's not two days go by that I don't go to Rod, I don't go to Tony. What can I do? Can I do anything different? How can I be a better coach? How can I be a better leader? How can I help these guys? Sometimes you got to help yourself. You know, sometimes you got to help yourself. Youth is a very blaming thing. No, I'm, I usually go to them. And you know what? After a while, the talk gets old. Man, it's old. It, ju it just does. At some point in time, you just got to play. I, I told him at halftime, I said, the game's not about X's and O's. We went up 29 to 20. And what about X's and O's? They scored 14 out of 20 possessions going into half. We came out, we were going to be all fired up, and it was 7-0 run before we could blink. It was almost identical to New York. We're down 12 and gave them an 8-0 run. And it's, and it's incredibly frustrating. Yes, it is. But my job is to, is to not put that kind of product on the floor. I'm incredibly hard on myself. I love it when the fans start yelling at me. I, I'm not playing. You didn't yell at me when I played. Why are you yelling at me when I'm coaching? About uh, leadership and being a leader, being lonely, do you have the material to have leadership on this team, and do you have leaders on this team are you, are you away from um, I think we have some guys who have some capability. Um, I, I uh, you know, I, I say all the time, you know, it's, it's, they say it's a, it's a player's league. Well, they take ownership. 
Take ownership. That's all I'm asking. Take ownership of what you're putting out there. That's, uh, to me, I, I've, I'm a day's work for a day's pay kind of guy. That's all I've been ever taught. And the one thing I have to understand is, you know, for me staying up, working harder, not sleeping, doing that, that's not going to help anything. I mean, I, I, there's nothing wrong with our preparation. I, I looked out there to start the game. Three guys weren't even sweating when we started the game. They're going to ease themselves into the game. you got to get sweaty. you got to be ready to go. We start out at the break. I mean, we, we come over to the bench. We're six for 18 to start the game. Yeah, boy, I, I don't mind. Hey, I'm, I'm having fun. I feel like uh, I'm at the State of the Union. Is there any reason why Byron wasn't on the bench today? He didn't come. See, I don't, does he sit out there all the time? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't even know. I mean, a lot of times he sits back there and gets treatment. I know he's going to talk to you guys tomorrow. So, you know, guys, it's been hard. Um, you know, I think there's a part of this group wondering, you know, are you going to play? You know, aren't you going to play? And there's, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a tough year. You know, you mentioned Paul. Paul. Mark's got it. Four guys with eight sixteen left in the, in the third quarter, four starters. Was that just frustrating? I just want to say, hey, you know what? They weren't getting it done. What, we go down 17? And we went from seven to 17. And you know what? I go back to Coach I, but that voice I always hear, hey, son, if you don't want to play, your substitute does. Give somebody else a chance. We did. We put them out there. We cut it to five. And it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't did anything other than get some stops, push the ball, play with some aggression. And it's, I mean, it's, the basketball is a simple sport. It's, a, you know, the game's usually going to go to the aggressor. You know, so that's just the way it is. You know, and it's, uh, I'm disappointed. You know, I really, really am. I mean, there was so much that uh, this season that we were looking forward to, and it just seems like every time we turn around, it's been something else. You said you haven't put on the floor of the team that you thought you had this year. Correct. With the answer you just gave about the what-if factor, rightly or wrongly, how much do you think that has simply affected and dragged this team down at different points? Well, you know, I, I don't want to put that, you know, because then that, that, you know, that, that's, that, that would be looking for something. I, I don't want to do that. But, I mean, you know, we made, we made a huge deal. We made a huge deal, and we have none, nobody playing as part of that deal. I mean, you know, how many, how many teams can give up, you know, Andre Godala, Mo Harkless, and Nick Vucevic and have nothing in return playing? I mean, that's tough to overcome, right? I mean, that's just the facts. I mean, I'm not looking for any out, but I mean, that's the fact. I mean, Nick Vucevic had 19 rebounds tonight. Spencer had one. I think Lavoie had two. Go ahead, Mark. I'm sorry. Before uh, Thad got hurt, you were beating teams like the Magic, not to denigrate the Magic, yeah. but you were playing better yeah. than those teams. Yeah. You lost Thad, and, you know, but he's been back for two games now. We, we, uh, we are, Marcus. We are a team, I told you, that the least little change affects us. Affects us. You know, all of a sudden the char starting lineup changes again. We have guys that don't deal well with that. We just we're not a we're not a, we're not a team that rolls with it that easily, and we're you know we had that we're used to him. I mean I, I thought I thought Thad I, he didn't have the energy tonight that he had in New York, and sometimes that's what happens that second game back, you know that first game you're running on adrenaline, 
And in that second game, you don't quite have the juice. I, I didn't see that pop with Thad tonight. But, I mean, he'd been out three weeks. But, you know, I mean, you know, we put so much on Drew and Thad. If those two guys play well, we got a chance. We got a chance because we'll find three or four of the guys, you know, during the course of the game. But, you know, those two guys are critical for us. Thad gives us that speed and, and what he brings with the glue, and Drew's our all-star. But it's just I, the one thing is I, I don't want you to feel like I'm, I'm up here blaming. I don't want you to think I'm making excuses. That's not what this is about. I, I'm not a blamer. I'm not an excuse kind of guy. No one takes this harder than I do. Nobody. And I've a, I'm a guy who, when I have coached, I've always been able to find some answers. And I have, I have not been able to find answers. And from my standpoint, that is very disappointing because I, I'm paid to do that. And so I want you to know in no way am I casting dispersions on it's somebody else's fault. We're all in this together. But there cannot be a game where you just don't go out and put your heart and soul into the game. Can't do that. Had an off day. We've been on the all-star break. There's no reason for that. None. Yeah, Bob. I mean, is, is this a bottoming out? Well, I, I mean, I sure. I mean, I sure hope so. I sure hope it can't get any worse than this. But I mean, if you look at our schedule, I mean, twelve of our last fourteen are on the road. And look at the home games we're playing. I think Atlanta. I mean, Golden State. I think every every one of them is a, is a playoff team. But it, it's interesting. And, and the one thing I, my teams really have never done, is. I've always said beat the teams you're supposed to beat and then let's see where you are against the others. And and it seems like for us, we've, we've, we've laid some eggs in here against teams that we've had a chance to beat. And then we've played pretty well. San Antonio, Memphis, Miami played well, but they were still better than us and beat us. And, and that's what you Like I said, hold your head, son. It only take a second. Check it out now. Come on while I wreck it. Like I said, hold your head, son. It only take a second. Check it out now. Give me room. I'm blowing up on the hit when it goes boom.